Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And you are in for an in-depth death night deep dive yep i good job i yeah it's i struggled through that one mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. we're talking uh we're talking death knights this week mm-hmm. uh because they're oh so cool and uh i feel like uh, a death knight uh could be uh, like, uh any campaign any adventure could probably benefit from a death knight or two Okay, I want that on a shirt. <laughs> like any uh, campaign, any any, any of them, any, any situation campaign. really could be made better with a death, death knight. knight. Okay, okay. So you know, let's let's go ahead and just get started. Um, a death knight. It's a mighty undead warrior that um, is created by the gods of death or by mm-hmm. some other uh, malevolent or even just um, you know. Uh, a godly force right uh, just depending on the on this on the edition that you're reading mm-hmm. uh some of these uh some of the forces behind the creation of these of these death knights uh you know might be on on any on any part of the spectrum of the of alignment okay um now is that he's mighty as he's like strong or is this like man that is a mighty undead warrior right there like as in terms of like um like how undead one can be uh, I'm gonna leave that up undead. to. It might be both, either or. <laughs> okay. I situations, either or and. Either or and. Gotcha. Like either like uh, man, that undead warrior sure is mighty. Or, you know, like mighty, man, mighty undead. Yeah. That warrior is mighty undead. <laughs> and, and we actually get into um, 
not just like the the, the appearance, but also the smell. Of oh, death good. Nuts. So yeah, uh, like I said, we can leave that up to the listener to decide which one <sighs> it is. All right, all right. Uh, so the yeah, they, they were co- uh, most commonly created from evil humanoids who in mm-hmm. life had been uh, like uh, like blackguards or fighters, rangers, barbarians. Uh, but mm-hmm. more specifically, the their paladins who somehow fell from grace. Oh, okay. In death, a uh, a death knight appears similar to how he how they appeared in life, except of course it's got um you know a decaying body, you know rotting mm-hmm. flesh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. these little mm-hmm. like pinpoints of light in place of their eyes, like the little like beady red eyes. I love it. Uh, they're often, you know, in, in keeping with um the the mighty like fighters, warriors that they were in life, they're often mm-hmm. wearing like very fine clothing and armor, uh, especially capes. It says like very, very. I like the fact that they're you know <laughs> very uh you know flamboyant in their appearance. Flamboyant, ah uh, yes, flamboyant dead. I I'm hoping you were picturing an Elton John cape too, because that's what I was picturing. Oh, that's. Elton John dressed up as Donald Duck as a Death Knight. Yes, there you go. Yes. That's that's uh that's our new. That's big a bad. deep dive. That's a big bad right there. Um, I'm here for it. So yeah, so they they wear these uh they wear this this fine armor, this you know, fine clothing, uh, the capes, uh, mm-hmm, uh the accoutrement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. always like sort of like tarnished. There's always like some like sort of uh. You know, something wrong with it. It's not. It's a bit askew. Uh, sometimes okay. it's. It looks like it's. It's been burned. Sometimes, it looks like it's a, like a little, little like I said, tarnished or like unpolished. Okay, so it's um, kind of old, faded, aged. Right, right. Like gotcha, you could gotcha. tell that that it once was, you know, very fine something looking armor really or fine looking okay. clothing. Okay. Uh, they strike fear into the hearts of weaker creatures, and I love the. It's. It mentioned that it's even rumored that they could scare a kender which as we know kenders are not able to be frightened kenders laugh in the face of frightening things i think i think you got a little kender in you as much as you want to boop things that will kill you i think yeah i think you if you went to like 23 and me or like um, ancestry.com, you'll you'll, you'll find some kender somewhere down the line. Well, I could tell you um, if they're from Europe, yes. So that's that's just to prove how frightening they can be. And, you know, whether or not that's true, just but, you know, even just that rumor that they're so terrifying that they'll even scare a kender. Even, yeah, that is... mm. So what Uh, makes them so scary other than I'm, I'm just not the flamboyant cape the sashaying i'm not picturing this as well, scary yet well i mean we'll, we'll get into the scariness okay. okay uh so uh one thing that might terrify you is that in battle they often ride a nightmare which is like an, an evil undead pun. horse uh-huh it's uh, the a best nightmare pun. yeah uh-huh. uh into battle uh they have mm-hmm. a variety of undead servants such as skeletons uh whites zombies like you know your typical sort of like undead battalion. Mm-hmm. I will say that at the uh, mention of the pun, my brain has con- come back online and I have indeed read about these a wee bit. They are fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's talk about the differences and similarities in lore oh. 
from edition to edition. So Ooh, okay. Death Knights uh, trace their origins back to the first edition of uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, what's cool in this one, it says that only 12 are known to exist, which kind of ratchet up the like the fear quotient, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. That, I you know, if, there. if you come up, if you come across one of them, like, oh boy, like you are one unlucky <laughs> bastard. Right. Gosh, hope you don't come into two of them at the same place. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you, no, you've gone the wrong way. Oh, yeah, you've made wrong choices. Uh, it's, it describes a Death Knight as a type of lich that was created by a demon prince, which is also which is rumored to be Demogorgon, uh, hmm. from a fallen or disgraced human paladin. Okay. They uh, they can't be turned. Then uh, they also have uh, amazing magical resistance, and again, usually seen riding a nightmare. Every time I see the word, I hear it screamed in my head, Avenged Sevenfold style. Yep, yeah, I could see that for sure. Definitely see that <laughs> or hear that. <laughs> yucka yucka. Okay, so uh, one second edition AD and D comes out. Okay. Um, now they are more specified to be a corruption of a knight of Salamnia. So from the Dragon Lance from the Kryn campaign setting. Okay. Uh, they have been cursed by the gods to this terrible form as punishment for betraying the code of honor it swore to uphold in its previous life. So in this in this case, uh, death knights are created by, uh, by you know by you would think like lawful or at least good aligned gods as punishment. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been judged by the deities and found guilty of some unforgivable crime, unforgivable crime such as murder or treason. Right. So in the case of Lord Soth, who we did uh, an episode on back, uh, episode 111. Okay. Uh, in the case of Lord Soth, uh, he was turned into a death knight. His unforgivable crime, uh, it was that he uh, would rather um, have uh, killed his wife than prevent a world-changing uh, calamity. <laughs> Instead of, you know, saving the world from this, like, very, like, you know, destructive uh, uh-huh. event, he's like, you know what? I'm actually going to kill my wife instead. Uh, that's that's not okay. That is the context that it was read in. I was rereading that a couple times trying to understand. I was like, oh, so he killed her to save the world? What was he supposed to do? Kill the world to save her? That's a No, no, he, he would do, rather have don't. killed her but, yeah, than yeah, save yeah. the world. I'm sorry. I can't save the world. I got to, I got to. I. <laughs> I got a wife that needs killing. Um, yeah. So if you, it's, Lord Soth is wild. If you, uh, if you are unfamiliar with this, this rascal, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely check I out. I love that, that you episode. downplay it. You downplay it so much. Oh, these rascals! These, oh, these silly rapscallions! These little, these, these little... guys—they're full of malarkey. Um. So, uh, a Death Knight in Second Edition AD and D. Mm-hmm. says they resemble like this hulking knight uh, weighing mm-hmm. over 300 pounds or 136 kilos and standing over six feet tall, roughly two meters. And their appearance is uh, they have shriveled, rotting flesh on their face. And mm. like I said, these two little like orange, reddish like pinpoints for eyes. Like I, I mentioned like those uh, old, those old heaters that had the lights on the top. 
mine a have like bit, a yeah. red orange colored lights and waking up in the middle of the night to oh my gosh what is watching me right that is absolutely it had to have been death nights it was not your heater it was a death night it was a death night i knew it uh like i said uh kinder a rumor to be even kinder a rumor to be frightened of them it sounds scary um and a part of it is because of their deep chilling voice and it's it's said to seem to echo from the depths of a bottomless cavern. That's badass. That's pretty cool. Um, That's so cool. And so this is wild. This is probably my favorite part of the lore. Okay. Uh, in keeping with this, you know, this deep chilling voice mm-hmm. uh, that echoes, echoes from the depths of a bottomless cavern. Uh, they use that voice to sing, to sing song. At oh. least that's uh, not songs, but a song. Um, oh. It's uh, they they are forced to remember their crime in song. Uh, and sing it uh, um, on on any night when one of Crin's three three moons is full. I that sentence. So yeah, it's the most beautiful sentence to try to unpack. They have to remember the crime they committed by singing about it yeah. in their bassy, echoey voice on any night when one of Crin's three moons is full. Yeah. So you've got like a, I mean, I, I don't know the, the the lunar cycle of Crin, but right. uh, let's assume it's it's similar to to Earth's. And if we had three moons, that's you know every like. 30-ish days or so so essentially like if we had three i'd say like every 10 days right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so like every every like week and a half you'd hear like i killed my wife instead of saving the world so they're country singers i mean i don't see how any <laughs> i don't see how any genre or <laughs> how any genre love her but true, I had yeah. to kill her. That's true. That's yeah, maybe work. maybe some like hair metal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it says that their chilling melody echoes through the moonlight countryside. Uh and it's scarier than just about anything you can imagine. And um and also they uh they don't like being interrupted. They're like, "Hey, this is my singing time." Please, please be this respectful is, of that. This is my me time. And I really need to do this. I have to like, I, in order to heal, I need to revisit this memory. Exactly. Why uh, do all of them turn to Valley girls when they're explaining things? Be- well, because, you know, they're very condescending. It's like very much in the Karen vein of it all. And so mm. uh, you interrupt <laughs> the song or otherwise like trespass in their domain, right. which um, they're, they're, they're usually their curse keeps them confined to their former domain, like whether it be oh, like, a, like a castle or a fort or like some other stronghold, right? Pretty much like right. where the, their their house. Like if I became a death knight, my domain would be this house. And if mm-hmm. uh, you know any number of the uh, billion of Amazon drivers that stop by because of my partner uh, who, who orders many things off of Amazon, uh, oh, if they were to trespass, I, I, I would, they likely to be attacked if I were a death knight, which I am not, which is probably a good thing. I feel like that'd be a very difficult thing to overcome in a relationship, not being able to get Amazon deliveries. It's kind of harsh. Well, I mean, she'd have to put like, you know, please leave the curbside. Do not approach the house, especially if you hear some very like baritone deep singing, uh, about some crime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, so in third edition, <laughs> uh, Death Knights are now, instead of created by the gods as a punishment, um, mm-hmm. they are now created by the gods of death. Oh, uh, still usually like some kind of uh, like martial warrior, like a like a fighter, barbarian, and stuff. Right, like that. so weighed upon death and decided they were good enough at fighting in life, they can just keep doing it. Well, um, not necessarily. I mean, it can still oh, no. be a paladin who falls from grace right. near the moment of death. They can also become a death knight, um, but it's uh, more so um, like like they kind of don't want to die. And so, um, so the gods of death are like, yeah, I can, it's a kind of like a combination of, of that. And like what you mentioned is like the okay. gods of death are like, okay, well, you're kind of, per- you're pretty good with the sword. You're good at it. Uh, so let's, I'm uh, in, coach. Yeah, right. I'm ready. Like, I don't, I'm not, death's not going to stop me. And the god of death's like, yeah, sure. That, that makes sense. Um, physically very don't similar. Have time to deal with you today warrior like, of the realms whatever fine, fine you go. can remain undead just go he's got a migraine he's pinching the bridge of his nose <laughs> on. uh physically very similar to previous versions so like basically mm-hmm. like a like a skeleton or a lich in a suit of armor right uh fourth edition that kind of goes further into the um into it being not so much a curse or or being bestowed upon them or, or cursed upon them like the previous editions fourth edition kind of leans into the like i want to do this this is what this is the future so that fourth I want. editions where they introduced consent into death knights pretty much exactly uh, okay. so these were powerful warriors who accepted eternal undeath rather mm-hmm. than face the end of their mortal existence um, so more of a just don't want to die Kind of like like I I like what I'm uh, what I've been doing in life. I sure uh, do like killing. Can I keep I, killing? Can I keep killing? Can I not die and just keep killing? Like, if well, I, you're gonna kind of die, but you could definitely die. keep killing. Uh, and so, uh, and I like how this kind of harkens back to the original lore, mm-hmm. uh, but rather than Demogorgon, it says that the ritual to become a Death Knight is uh, rumored to have originated with Orcus. The demon oh. prince of the undead. Okay, that would that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, and that many death knights gain access to this ritual by uh, somehow contacting Orcus or his servants uh, directly. But right. some discover the ritual through other means, perhaps okay. a tome of lore, mm-hmm. uh, with their lore souls tome. bound to the weapons they wield. Death mm-hmm. Knights command necrotic power in addition to uh you know they their the martial prowess that they once possessed in life. Right. Uh skeletal warriors who not only retain the intel- intelligence uh but like I said also the combat skills that they had when they were mm-hmm. living and as a result they're often leading other undead soldiers in a war against you know living creatures. So again, like it's, I like how it's, it's, it feels very much so like an update of the original lore. Yeah, uh, you know, so they, just an expansion of that initial thing. Right. They, you know, they, uh, they make a deal with some demon prince to, right. to do this. They're able to uh, command armies of undead. Okay. Uh, a Death Knight's armor and weapons are the same, uh, the same that it used in life. But their appearance, like I said, um, like I said previously, is often transformed into. Ooh deadly echoes of their past mm-hmm. forms 
So like I said, it's um it's fire blackened. Uh it's etched with blasphemous runes, which I love. Uh and often adorned with blood stained spikes. How you make things evil, you gotta add spikes. That's how you make things evil. Okay. I don't make the rules. It's just how it is. Uh, and I love this. It says that it, it often carries its uh the Death Knight carries its soul in its weapon. Uh, still oh. brightly polished, but crackling with um, with dark necrotic energy. All that time, I thought my Rice Krispies were trying to tell me secrets, but really, it's just crackling with dark necrotic energy. It's true. Hmm. Rice Krispies are quite dark. Are you? Quick digression. If you had to only <laughs> eat one type of cereal for the rest of the, the rest of your life, what cereal would it be? Oh, in a perfect world where I can have cereal? Sure. Gluten? Okay. Um, man, that is a really hard question, sir. It probably wouldn't be Rice Krispies. It would not be, no. Might be for my kid, though. Oh, it's her weird. favorite. Interesting. Well, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, it also, the weapon also mm-hmm. has the power to pe- uh, to become ghostly. And thus pass through armor as if it was not there. Um, however, if you are able to take a Death Knight's weapon, you then daze it and weaken it for a time. Oh, um, yeah, steal its soul. But at the same time, if you are uh, if you do take it and you wield it long enough, it then dazes and weakens you. As long as the Death Knight is still alive or has not been destroyed. Okay. Uh, that and is if, dangerous. Yeah, that's, I like it. It's a yeah, it's a tightrope to walk for sure. Like you want to mm-hmm. take it to weaken the Death Knight, but then you don't want to like use it too long. As long as the Death Knight's still like up and about, just kill him with his own sword. Uh, if you break, well, if you break a Death Knight's weapon, the mm-hmm. Death Knight can just restore it with a touch. Just bink, oh, it's back. That's that's terrifying. It's yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not very comforting. No. <laughs> um, and then once we get to fifth edition, we're mm-hmm. back to a corrupted do-gooder, like kind of like okay. the previous editions where, uh, you know, it's a paladin that falls from grace, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dies without seeking atonement. And then these dark powers can can transform the once mortal knight into a hateful undead creature. Um, and then, in fact, I love that Lord Soth serves as the artistic interpretation of the Death Knight mm-hmm. uh, in the Monster Manual. And actually, a little blurb on him is included in the entry. So he's kind of like the, the the poster child for Death Knights. Yeah. So really quickly, before we get to the middle of the show, I want to talk. We're going to we're going to we're going to finish the show talking about a couple of different Death Knights. Uh, Ooh, one okay. of which um, was the uh, ruler of storm giants, uh, which like uh, they have a whole like backstory and lore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unto themselves. But we're just going to focus on their Death Knight uh, career. These guys are cool, but we're just talking about the Death Knight part for sure. Uh, and then we'll go to the middle of the show, and then we'll finish <laughs> off with uh, talking about another legendary Death Knight. So uh, Hecaton, which I I love the name because it's like it's it's spelled E H E K A T O N, uh, and so you might think it's pronounced like Hecaton, which 
makes me think like, man, like how much is that way, man? A heck a ton. <laughs> that was just exactly something I feel I was, you would say. I was already there. <laughs> I yeah, I made that same leap. I did. So Hecaton, aka the Storm King, uh, was the ruler of the Storm Giants, uh, and in fact, like all of Giant Kind, until uh, after the War of the Silver Marches, which was around um, the late uh, 1400s DR. Okay. Um, as his glorious reign came to an end, Hecaton suffered some uh, took some L's in his final years. I um, mean, yeah, you gotta. I mean, sometimes it'd be like that sometimes. It, sometimes it'd be like that. Uh, the Storm King was abducted, not once, but twice, uh, killed, uh, and uh-huh. then transformed into a Death Knight, into this undead monstrosity, and then tortured in the Nine Hells. Um, so like I said, like there yeah, being the ruler of the Storm Giants and all of Giant Kind, obviously there is a hecaton of hecaton lore. Right, right. I'm very disappointed in myself. You shouldn't be. I'm very proud right now. This is a very proud moment for me. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, My brain keeps reading it as Hecatron, though. Like he's like a, you know, like a dog's version of a of a Autobot. This one's so, my favorite Transformer. Sorry. Like I said, we're we're just gonna focus on on his his Death Knight career. So okay, uh, he was lured into a trap devised by members of the Kraken Society, uh, posing as agents of the Lord's Alliance. Uh, these members of the Kraken Society captured the storm giant ruler and bound him with enchanted chains that kept him in a state of stasis. Uh, they set him adrift in the trackless sea aboard a shielded squid ship called the Morkoth. Uh, eventually, he um, was set free, though, from his captors by a band of adventurers and then he re- returned to assume the worm school uh worm skull throne in Maelstrom. So that's abduction number 1. Okay. Uh and then abduction number 2 takes place sometime later uh after he invite invited a mercenary by the name of Zahira Dirion to Maelstrom. But by the time mm-hmm. her and her allies arrived, he had once again been abducted, captured, and uh both he and his throne were taken from Maelstrom. Uh, And this was done by agents of the Cult of the Dragon. And they were under the direction of an unknown figure from the Hells. Uh uh Uh-huh. So during this second abduction, King Hecaton... Hecaton? King Hecaton (laughs) was... Stop laughing. You've done this to me. You and that pun... That punny brain of yours. (laughs) I'm so proud. So King Hecaton was killed outright at some point during this abduction. And while the cult of the dragon held onto the body for a while, uh, Red Wizards of Thay actually intercepted this group, uh, took the body, and transported it to the eastern realm of Thay. And this is, if you didn't, like we covered, we've covered Zastam, we've covered the Red Wizards, we've covered Mm -hmm. Thay itself. Yes. If like that you know close to three hours of content wasn't enough to convince you that these jokers are no good (laughs) these rascals are too rascally for their own good full of shenanigans um it they after it says that after hecaton's corpse was dreadfully paraded around oh so they just took it on a tour they're just like look at what we got look at what we got um hecaton was was then (laughs) raised as an enormous death Mm -hmm. knight 
at the citadel in Thaymount, in service to the Lich King Zastam. Of course. Um, eventually, the undead Hecaton employed a group known as the Ebon Wings and recovered the Worm Skull, worm skull Throne mm-hmm. uh, and then traveled to a hidden fortress in the Thunder Peaks where the Red Wizards were attempting to bring back the first Dracolich ever, Shargrilar. Okay. Uh, a group of intrepid adventurers defeated the Red Wizards, destroyed and the undead uh, Dracolich once again, and finally put an end to the Death Knight Hecaton. So you think like, okay, cool. Like, you know, this is, we're putting him essentially, like letting him rest. Uh, right, uh, so Hecaton was not Hecan gone? Heca- no, 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 Just no, no, and and on both on all the on all counts, no, he was not <laughs> gone. No, don't ever say that again. <laughs> and just no for any other things that you may have thought of that I haven't specifically said <laughs> no preemptive to. Preemptive, don't. That's very much Did preemptive. Get, are you trying to dad voice me? Uh, if 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 the New Balances fit, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the Storm King's soul languishes in a an infernal prison on Avernus, which is the first plane of the Nine Hells. Right. Um, I wonder if we're going to speak about the Nine Hells anytime soon. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I I, I don't know. It have to be like hotter than the Nine Hells to talk about it. It have yeah. It have to be a time of the year where it's very hot. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So uh, during this imprisonment, Hecaton uh, routinely was tortured by the pit fiend called Duraclis. Uh His soul uh, left to a mere shadow of its form during his glorious kingly reign in life. Mm-hmm. Um, after being employed by Hecaton's daughter, Princess Sarissa, uh, to uncover mm-hmm. the whereabouts of her father's soul, these adventurers that you know that stopped the undead king previously then venture into Hecaton's mindscape and learn much about his life. Uh, when they finally encounter Hecaton's consciousness, the group see him enveloped in a black whirlpool of self-loathing and overwhelming fear. So these heroes speak to the Storm King and remind him of his glorious past. And just as they are just as they're about to convince him of his worthiness of an afterlife in Stormhold, the entire group are pulled out of Hecaton's mindscape to the citadel of Malshim in Nessus, which is the ninth layer of the Nine Hells. Uh, Hecaton appears once again in Avernus, held in bondage by Asmodeus, the lord mm-hmm. of the Nine Hells. Uh, and these adventurers um, who had come so far to liberate the Storm King sign an infernal contract with Asmodeus guaranteeing the release of his soul from the nine hells. Um, and then, so he then ascends upwards from the lower planes to Stormhold with both his existence on the prime material plane and his suffering finally to an end. Goodness. So yeah, it's uh the, that is found in the adventure. The, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember now. I I have it. I own it. I I purchased it, and I was very excited to find it. Uh, the Storm it is... King's Thunder Lightning. No. Uh, Dreams of the Red Wizards. Oh. And so, uh, if you want to play through that, it's one of the uh, Adventures Leagues. 
like or like official organized play um oh, okay for fifth edition okay uh, but yeah so that's i mean what's cool is like essentially anyone can become a death knight even like a storm even like a giant king which hmm. uh you know not necessarily have to be uh, a paladin or uh you know of, of who fell from grace it can be yeah, silver you were hell you were i that fell from grace yeah i was gonna say you or i could wake up tomorrow a death knight I mean, would my back stop hurting? Uh, maybe. Man, imagine how much like, they pop when they walk. I mean, yeah, they are like bones. They are sort of undead, or maybe mm-hmm. like it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It the, your it remains in the same condition, but it won't oh, be. Gosh. It won't. You won't feel it. So, oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. That's fine then. Well, let's go to the. Speaking of fine, let's go to the middle of the show. Oh, it's awful mighty fine there. Uh, thank some patrons, uh, <laughs> talk some D&D news, and yep. then uh, get some D&D homebrew. What do you say? Homebrew. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm thirsty. I could go for a homebrew. I... <laughs> you regret your decisions yet? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Welcome to the middle of the show. Mary, let's, let's, uh, let's start off thanking some patrons. Gosh, yeah, we should. We should thank them. Um, thank you, <laughs> patrons. Um, your support makes everything that we do possible. Um, that's what we, everything that goes into the Patreon, um, goes back into the show. We use it to get art done. We, you know, for merch to release that kind of stuff to kind of build the show. Stuff for uh, upcoming, I don't know, Twitch channels and streams or books that we're doing. You know, all those things. So if you're not a member and you would like to be, you can join us at uh, patreon.com slash dndlorecast. We have a bunch of tiers with all kinds of neat, neat stuff, but I can never remember what they are. I'm really bad at it. Well, we, have, we have merch, <laughs> we have stickers, we have bonus content, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. early ad-free episodes. Uh, yeah, Mary or myself would DM a session, a uh, one-shot uh, for you and friends or family, coworkers, whoever you and people, whoever like you and four strangers, if need be, um, that would be entertaining. Mary or myself will uh will be and it will play uh will play a character in a session yep. of your of your you know uh, home campaign. Oh yeah. Um, you know, minis, uh, a bunch of a bunch of cool stuff, a bunch of like oh, when we when we built the Patreon, we we thought like you know if we were fans of the show. Like what's was the kind of stuff that you know would excite us? Uh, and before we before we move on, uh, I want to give a special uh, shout out to patrons uh, Coffee and Holly. A little, you. a little shout out to them. Shout uh, outs. So how else can they support the show? Oh gosh! So if you're not in a position to do Patreon thing, that's absolutely fine. Um, you can leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening to us at. You can. You know, just share, um, you know, share tweets, share Instagram posts, TikToks, all the things, because we're at D and D Lorecast on all of those as well. And just tell people, just tell a friend about us, like send them our way, corner somebody in a bookshop near the uh, Dungeons and Dragons books. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe don't corner them. Maybe don't be like 
that aggressive. That <laughs> you know, maybe just like if you if you happen to see them like flipping through like the DMG or something, be like, oh hey, like you know, I listened to this interested. one. I listened to this one podcast, and these two uh, rascals they uh, they don't know these anything but heads, lore. It seems right? like that's all they yeah. seem to care about. All they talk about lore and food. Some sometimes they don't even eat. That's how much true. lore. That's how much lore they're <laughs> reading. Um, but yeah, you also um, check out our brand new official Discord. Uh, you're true. still definitely very much uh, on the Robots Radio Network Discord. Yes, we still got the channel absolutely. there, still active there. But, but the uh, community we are, has grown so much that we yeah, uh, we, had, we, we had to add on to the tower so that you guys could all fit because there's so many and it's wonderful and we love it. Yes, it's, it's, <laughs> there's. A, it's a, it's been a lot of fun so far it has yeah there's a lot of stuff popping off over there uh as far as news goes well uh if you have yet to see the dungeons and dragons honor among thieves uh movie or would just like to see it again in the comfort of your own home over uh, and, and you over want to, again what uh, yeah if you want to see it for free uh mm. you can sign up for paramount plus Yep. Uh, for a seven day free trial. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that it's, it's streaming now it, as of uh, this, we're recording this on the 17th as of yesterday, yes, May 16th, of- it was streaming mm-hmm. on Paramount. It started streaming on Paramount plus uh, if you don't have that particular streaming service uh, and have really like no interest in, in getting it aside from watching this movie, like I said, we will provide, I mean... we will provide a link uh, to, so you can sign up for a seven day free trial. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're thinking. A lot of people are like, well, I don't like signing up for that stuff because I forget. I always put it on my phone like, hey, uh, hey, Siri, um, remind me in uh, six days to cancel this. And I then in have six to days, do that as well. Because <laughs> I, I don't have any brain power aside from uh, keeping uh, my uh, myself alive, uh, making sure I, I, I do my 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 regular job. And mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. sure that I keep my children alive too. Also throw that right. one in there. Uh, and then doing the show. Yeah. If, uh, if my car true. keys are not where I, uh, where they, like they are, they, are they kept, go, I will forget <laughs> them. I will yeah. walk out the house, try to get in my car and realize I don't have my car keys. I'm very similar, but it's shoes. I mean, it's everything. It's I everything forget my me. shoes frequently because I'm a barefoot person. So uh, it's yeah, just, that's, that's the druid in you. It is. It really is. Uh, speaking of streaming, speaking of D&D streaming, uh, it has been officially announced. Uh, as far as like when it's going to be released, we don't know. But mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons Adventure, which is a 24-hour fast streaming channel, fast meaning um, uh, free advertised-supported television, right. uh, will be debuting sometime this year. They, they haven't announced when, but it said it'll be available on multiple platforms. So I'm guessing, uh, you know, the, the Roku's and the, the Google, yeah. um, the Android TV, stuff like that. Your, your, yeah, your basics. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I was thinking about this and, and when it was announced, I thought like, that's not going to work until I thought about it a little bit more and immediately thought like, that's absolutely going to work. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there isn't enough content to to support that. And then I immediately thought like, oh, wait, no, like there is more than enough content. Content, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, like there's not content in the terms of like, you know, there's there's the, the, the movies, which I don't know if they really want to stream the original three movies. Um, but you know we have the, we have the new movie we have the the 80s tv show which they have, have definitely mentioned uh, will be uh, likely streaming on the on the channel 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've absolutely. got uh, actual plays. You you can have like the post actual play like talk show like the Talking Dead sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, which you know which is one evening and you could have uh, like they mentioned cooking shows for um, the for the cookbooks that that uh, has been have been released, you know and and then obviously like replays stuff like that you yeah. know like if you have an actual play on a Wednesday night you can replay it again Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so like the more I thought about it, the more I thought like this, this will definitely work. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely will. And so I am excited to see what, what, what they have in store excited. Um, because they mentioned that they will be talking to, um, to many like influencers and a lot of, uh, content creators oh. within the D and D universe, like, you know, like a certain lore master and lore mistress. Oh goodness. Are you ready yeah. for your close up, lore mistress, Mary? That's all I'm sure. asking. Sure. I'm going in looking like a gremlin. That's that's all I could that's wouldn't expect any less of you. Sure. Uh <laughs> speaking of lore, we have a new book coming out on October 3rd. It's a picture book. Uh and by picture I mean it has it's mostly D&D art which is chef's kiss can't get enough of it. Um It is Oh my gosh, I am so excited. It's very cool. It's very uh, much in the style of the um, Art and Arcana uh, book that was released previously, mm-hmm. um, except it's like a, it's a fully illustrated, like fifth edition, like, um, um, like, you know, uh, tome of lore. Yes. Uh, that's um, um, officially licensed. It's going to be, it's yep. going to look great. It's going to be beautiful. It says it uh, reveals an incredible ongoing story of Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition from the perspective of the designers, artists, and players who bring it to life. Um, I think it's really neat to see how all of that ties into everything. And it's also one of those, uh, I feel it's super important to give the artists um, just as much credit as they deserve and because they don't get as much as they should very oh frequently. no yeah i mean like so the stuff like this oh i love it like for so many uh kids teenagers young adults adults mm-hmm. whoever it may be you know the artwork is you know a lot That's of it what, what mm-hmm. draws the eye and it's like hey what's that i remember like to this day i still remember this evocative dark sun art that i would mm-hmm. find in like uh at, in ads of like my spider-man or x-men comic books and like I never forgot that. See, mine was always more of the of the uh, dragon type art because some of the very similar art styles and stuff that my father kept art books of, like around the house, that's a thing that we just had on hand. Right, right. So uh, I absolutely love it. I am so excited for this to come out. The only yeah, the only thing that I um, don't like is that we have to wait until October for it. Until October. And then we have to wait. We until... have to get through the nine hells before then. We're going we to have to go through, through the, nine, the hells. nine hells to get to this book. This and is then, our quest for the summer. And then we have to wait until November for the second D&D cookbook. <sighs> Ooh, I bet they'll do a box set and I can get both of them A little slipcase edition? Yeah. So Heroes Ooh. Feast Flavors of the Multiverse comes out uh, November 7th. Uh, mm-hmm. It says, Never Adventure on an Empty Stomach. Uh, from the experts behind the best-selling Heroes Feast comes Heroes Feast Flavors of the Multiverse, a mouth-watering cookbook stuffed with eclectic fare for solo adventurers and party quests alike. Uh, it has 76 dishes developed by a professional mm-hmm. chef from one of the country's top test kitchens. 
Uh, it says delicious, easy to prepare, and composed of ingredients readily found in our world. So I am no need so to very excited. Yeah, no this. need to travel to um to uh the Rock of Brawl or right. Avernus or anywhere else. Right, you can right. Those probably those find them. Portals between worlds are getting rough. I'm I'm getting a little old to be out adventuring for ingredients. I yeah I I used to be an adventurer, but then I took an arrow to the knee. Right, right. I just got old. I just got old. No, no arrows, just old. No arrows, just old. And then as far as homebrew goes, uh, I found this very excellent entry known as Soth's Accused, Accursed, not Accused, that's a typo, Soth's Accursed (laughs) Journal, uh, Uh which is only $9.99 and has a five-star rating, Mm -hmm. comes from Matthias Guildman, Guildman and Jan Semples. Uh, it says that this source book is a trove of hidden knowledge gathered by Lord Soth himself during his many years as a ruler of Sithicus, which was his um, his domain of dread within mm-hmm. uh, the Ravenloft setting. Okay. Uh, stolen by his treasonous Senshal, Azrael the Werebadger, it has seen many owners, all of them pursued by Lord Soth and his many enemies in order to retrieve this valuable collection of secrets. Uh, so it includes 12 new subclasses, uh, 12 new classes, including the Death Knight, which, like I said, like any any character really could become a Death Knight. Uh, 30 new feats, uh, uh, 30 plus new feats, eight new spells, 16 new magic items, as well as advice on how to roleplay an evil character. Ooh, I always love finding that kind of stuff in there because I know for some people it can be harder to to do that. So those are always such a nice little touch well yeah it, it can be difficult like kind of like role-playing to not role-play yourself into a corner when you're when yeah. you're playing an evil character oh yeah i'm really bad at being a bad guy i apologize to my players afterwards when i'm quote-unquote mean I'm not well mean. you're not actually mean i don't think so well Give we're gonna work for it but we're not. gonna work on mary's evil streak and oh. when we come back from the middle of the show uh we're going to finish uh our death night discussion talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. Uh, an ancient and legendary death knight Ooh. who was punished by his deity, Tyr, into an undead existence. Aw, you've been punished, but it's been by your co-host. You know, pun-ish. Welcome back as we finish our discussion on Death Knights. Um, so Death Knights, they either is it's it's either something that they it's requested mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. by a by someone, or right. it's something that's that's thrust upon right thrust as a upon, punishment of sorts. Uh, and that's that is the case of Miltiades, okay, who was punished by Tyr. Mm-hmm. Because um, he did something very, very naughty in the eyes of this good deity, this lawful good deity. You can't be doing naughty stuff. You can't be not. I mean, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be doing naughty stuff, worship it, a naughty god. Worship a naughty god. I. That's a shirt. If you're gonna do naughty stuff, <laughs> worship a naughty god. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, so they were a death knight uh, up until they were able to redeem themselves around 1372 DR mm-hmm. uh, and then was restored to life as a reward. So 
let's figure out um, who they were, what they did uh, mm-hmm. to become a Death Knight, and what then then what they did to become a regular dude again. I guess. Okay, uh, some old guy again, man. Um, I love this. This was listed in like kind of like in their bio that they were a tall man, which huh. is like, I mean, like, it was... like how tall do you have to be for that to like become to something get that that's put like, in there? Yeah, it's like specifically specified. I mean, I have, there's members of my family that are like six, seven. So, so I mean, would you, tall. when describing them, would you like would you make sure that's a point to emphasize? Not on purpose, but they do be tall AF. I mean, I I'm guessing like it has to be in in the upper the the upper half of six foot. Yeah, six to seven, maybe seven feet. Right. So, uh, it says that his undead form radiated an unsettling cold chill. I read and, that as child. And I love this. It had the dusty aroma, reminiscent of a cemetery. That is super specific. It's like but I absolutely understand. Like you get it, right? But still I like I do. I'm like, man, that is not how I would have explained it, but it makes perfect sense. Right. It's like it's one of those things that's so niche that you would think like that's that's too specific. But because it gets in that that, you know, right into that little corner, then like it's almost universal. Like everyone knows, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. you smell like a boneyard. <laughs> Out there smelling like the boneyard. You you smell like um like you know um my like great great aunt who um always hugs me and I don't I'm not comfortable with it because right. I feel like if I hug her back I might break her in half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because she's like a hundred and four. Um but yeah, uh Miltiades smells smells like her, uh apparently. <laughs> So zealous in his beliefs and morals, uh, Miltiades is, was described as a stoic man with a keen battle sense, um, with high intelligence and even uh, more you know, extreme discipline. Uh, it says that they spoke seldomly, but welcomed conversation when it was offered. So um, I I can appreciate that. Right, can, right, right. You know, that's, that's a kind of... Uh, a break room like office break room co-worker i want to have right like we don't have to talk just because we're in the same room you know if i start talking to you then by all means like and welcome the conversation but yeah but we don't have to but we don't we're, just, we're right. both i'm i'm making myself some coffee you're microwaving yourself uh a hot pocket that's not make it into a thing uh and it says that he was a courteous man who followed etiquette and chivalry and was always ready to walk first toward danger if it meant defeating evil uh, or protecting oh. his allies. Okay. So okay. very much the prototypical like paladin do-gooder, which explains like why when he does what he does, uh, you know, he is, he is disgr- disgraced into uh, becoming a death knight as punishment. So he grows up in the city of Tyrell on the Moon Sea North and was one of the first, it says, to worship and follow Tyr's calling. Uh, the paladin was, you know, was celebrated as his city's steward and champion 
And it was due to this, uh, to his service to the Church of Tyr that he was given a, a few different uh, artifacts, one of which okay. being the Holy Shield of Tyr, uh, uh-huh. another, uh, the runic sword of the god, and then also a magical war helm. So for five decades, he faithfully guards, you know, the city, protects it until mm-hmm. the warrior wizard Zarl, uh, which with a name like Zarl, you, I mean, you're kind of... You're definitely a bad guy. You're definitely a warrior wizard. <laughs> A right. bad warrior wizard, and not bad. Like, the, like you're not you're bad at it. Like you're, you're evil, right. 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 right, right. Um, he attacked the city. Uh, it was besieged for a, a year, during which uh, Miltiades like personally killed many of Zarl's greatest warriors. Uh, but Zarl himself never personally challenged Miltiades. Uh, it just but just continued to exhaust the city's resources, and so. In desperation, as the city, you know, was facing complete ruin, mm-hmm. uh, Matiades snuck into Zarl's camp under cover of night and oh. murdered him. Oh, and this act was considered was considered dishonorable by the lawful good Tyr, the maimed god, uh, oh. because you know he's you know he's not yeah yeah Zarl's evil, but you know you're gonna mm-hmm. sneak in you're gonna sneak in like a like a dirty rogue assassin and kill him while he sleeps um dishonorable like personally if i was his deity i would be like homie you gotta do what you gotta do you should have been doing that off jump you should have been been getting it done that way for real uh but tear he don't rock like that tears like hey you should have done it uh you should have if you i'm cool with you killing him he's evil but you should have done it by 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 the you book. Do it the right way. Right, right. Uh so so he kills uh Zarl um and then in trying to escape he uh Miltiades actually um gets swarmed by his troops and and is killed by them. Does not survive the escape. Uh this the outrage of uh you know of Zarl's troops drives them uh to push into the city and eventually they it gets ransacked and destroyed because you know its protector is gone. Its champion is dead. Uh, Tyr refuses to let Miltiades die and bounds his spirit to his slain body and oh. transforms the disgraced paladin into a death knight as punishment. Oh. So fast forward a thousand years later right. in the year of the Morning Star, 1350 DR, the city of Flan, along mm. with uh, other several cities along the Moon Sea, disappear, mm. just poof, gone. Uh, they were taken by minions of Bane, Lord of Darkness, uh, from the mater- the prime material plane, uh, and then they're kind of placed throughout. Uh, Flan itself is captured by the Red Wizard Marcus of Fae, and the Pit Fiend uh, Tanital, and placed in a massive cavern underneath uh, Marcus's tower. Okay, that is the most plain name that I've heard come out of either of our mouths here. Right, like hey, it's Marcus. Uh, that's like, gotta be like a really wild exotic name there though exactly right it's like marcus like where, where, where are your where's your oh, family from i've marcus, never heard that before wild oh uh so flan you know is is uh, overtaken by the pit fiends mm-hmm. demonic creatures um uh corrupted servants of the god of rot morander and other dire creatures mm-hmm. uh Miltiades is summoned by tear and is you know given the task to recover the city uh, and despite like and Matias to his credit, he could have been like, no, like 
you turned me into a death knight. Screw you. Like, right, right. Uh, he still serves his God and obeys. Then uh, he, I mean, it's a just punishment in his eyes, Lynn. Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. The death knight finds himself surrounded by the undead, which have risen out of their graves by the evil magics of Bane. Uh, the knight you know, faces them in battle, and the disgraced paladin comes face to face with the ghost of the man he slew ages ago. Zarl, who now commands his own army of the undead. Eventually, Zarl is just I, I'm just I keep the name. It just keeps getting me every time. Zarl, yeah, like that is how I know what this character sounds like and acts like just by that name. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, what what does he look? <laughs> Everybody like Everybody knows a Zarl. He to me kind of looks like um like a caricature of Anton Lavey from the Church of Satan. Interesting. Or like the bad guy from uh, Flash Gordon. <laughs> He's got a Fu Manchu, regardless. He has to have a Fu Manchu. You're right. You're right. So other heroes eventually join the fray. They help Matiades uh, and Zarl, you know, once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Holy Shield of Tear is destroyed in the process. Uh, Miltiades and his new companions eventually return the city of Flan to its rightful location, and along the way, uh, Miltides actually defends his allies against two werewolves who are then revealed to be servants of Lord Marcus, the plain named uh, Red Wizard of Thay. <laughs> um, I, I love this. Like, uh, uh, He's just getting into all sorts of adventures, Miltides is. Uh, he also helps deliver a baby uh, who, oh. is, yeah, who is the subject of a prophecy from Tyr uh, that you know wow. this child will eventually grow up and be known as Kern the Hammer Seeker. Uh-huh. Um, you know, would grow up to retrieve the relic hammer of tear, mm-hmm. um, and then you know be able to uh, to return Flan to prosperity after this period of strife, strife and darkness. Okay, and so um, you know, still undead, still you know serving his punishment, he's right. yet again content to fulfill his deity's decree, which is like he helped this child fulfill this prophecy. Huh. Uh, to... I don't know that I would trust a death knight coming up to me being like, hey, yo, that baby right there? Let like, me help you with your baby, Let me help ma'am. you with that baby. Let me I'm going to help, help this baby. baby become part of a prophecy. Let me hold I... the baby. Although, I've also been in labor and can say that, here, let me help you. I, I don't care. Go I ahead. just want to be done doing yeah, this right now. Go ahead. Go right on ahead. I I'm don't good. care. Can I nap? Can I nap? Okay, cool. Uh, two decades later, in the year of wild magic, which was 1372 DR, mm-hmm. it says a new threat revealed itself to the city of Flan, uh, and this person wanted to use the pool of twilight to get revenge for her father's death, that infamous red wizard. She's going to uh, ruin his flan? She's going she's gonna to ruin the flan. Uh, contemplating the prophecy that you know was foretold about him, Kern ventures into the Valhingen graveyard to meditate okay. in vigil uh, at the shrine dedicated to the legendary hero Matiades. It is at this point that Tyr once again raises his death knight to help Kern find the legendary artifact of the temple uh, of the temple of Tyr in Flan, which mm-hmm. was claimed by Bane a decade earlier. So he's like, it's time to find this hammer of Tyr, time to fulfill the prophecy you're and the guy that's gonna be able to do it here's the catch here's the rub and uh-huh. tears like and if you're able to do this i'll throw in what's behind curtain number one 
Uh, well, what's behind curtain number one is Miltiades is promised eternal rest and a well-deserved um, afterlife. Oh, so they get the party together. I they promise get... do this one more thing and I'll leave you alone. Right. Uh, so they get the party together. They get the group, you know, to, to go mm -hmm. on this quest. However, there's mm -hmm. a rat. There's, there's, there are shenanigans afoot. Um, it's a scoundrel. It was during this time uh, that a wild mage known as Serana begins to, you know, make, it begins to act a little sus. And Meltiades uh, is like, I don't know if I can trust this person. And really it was because not only like were her words a little, like what she said seemed a little off, but also the fact that she mm -hmm. did not radiate an aura of any sort visible to Paladins. Uh, or that you know, or slash oh. the Death Knight of Tear. Uh, instead of any any color, Serana radiated nothing, which was that's you know. unsettling, right? And so, and Multiades was right not to trust the sorceress because her end goal was to claim the powerful hammer of Tear, and you know, and she was using Kern to you retrieve it. it as the means mm -hmm. to you know, one of those old okie doke situations. Yeah, I know how they are. Uh, eventually, Serana did reveal her true fiendish nature uh, and used the Pool of Twilight to power her hellish magics. But in a fierce battle, the half-fiend villain was defeated, uh, mm -hmm. sank into the pool of pure magic that in turn was destroyed. Oh. And so Two at the end... with one pool of magic. Just, just like that. Just like that. Uh, and uh, at the end of this successful journey... Mm -hmm. A fellow paladin of Tear uh, meets up with uh, with Miltiades and Kern and the the rest of the group, and willingly gives his soul to his patron deity to restore Miltiades to life. Oh, and let him just live a life and die. Yep, and that, that is, is how Miltiades became a Death Knight, and then undeath un became became undead, and then became un undead. But not dead, just alive. It can be right. confusing. It's absolutely confusing. Well, that's why we're here to explain the lore to you. That's the, exactly. Thank you Have so you heard much about our lore. Thank you so much for uh, letting us uh, become a be a part of your life for the short and amount of time. Invade your ear holes. Uh, Death knights are cool. Death knights are a lot They're of fun. Cool. Um, if you go to DMs Guild, I got you know I. I wish I could recommend just about, you know, everything on there. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's so much good content on there. There are any number of stat blocks yep. to create your own death knight, uh, like your own death knight PC. Uh, if it's something that you are interested in doing, like I say, do it because they are cool. Death knights are a lot yeah. of fun, especially a death knight like uh, Motidius who like who accepts his punishment stoically mm -hmm. And is willing to, you know, go to any length to possibly become redeemed as a result. Like that's like that's a hero's journey, if I've ever heard. That of. Really, yeah, absolutely is. My goodness, that was a chonky episode, sir. Nice and well, that's just the way I like my lore. Nice and chonky. Chonky lore. Thank <laughs> you so much again for listening. My name is Sergio, and I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, 
Consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DD Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows.